Hey, you're listening to Blindsight. Let's go. Mental health isn't something to take lightly. It's time to fight. It's time to thrive. Let's do this. Hi there. Welcome to Blindsight. This is your host, Bill Lundgren. I'm here with our producer, Jonathan Price. And we're going to have an interesting program talking a little bit about depression and some some background and thoughts about it. But before we begin, uh, we have some announcements that we want to make. One of which is that Audio Information Network of Colorado is changing its name, for which I'm most grateful since it took me a year to really get <laughs> used to saying it. But because we want it to be a little easier, we're change, January 1st, we'll be changing to uh, AfterSight. And mm-hmm. you, all of you will probably know Penn Street program, AfterSight. We decided to take uh, the program name. It'll still be there, but it will cover everything having to do with Audio Information Network of Colorado and be easier to remember. Uh, so that'll start uh, January 1st. Before then, uh, Colorado Gives, uh, it will be going on, uh, I think it's December 5th is the official uh, time, but you can, uh, if you want to contribute to Audio Information Network of Colorado, uh you can begin November 1. Those contributions mean a lot for keeping us on the air and helping the people that we help. So we certainly would welcome your contribution. And in addition, uh, we have started a uh, way to contact any of the people who uh, on any of our podcasts Uh, If you want to give us some feedback, it's actually, uh, right now, we haven't set up the uh, phone line. We're talking about doing that. But right now, you can email us at feedback at aincolorado.org and put your feedback on there, direct it, and let us know who you're directing it to. And we'd be very happy to get your feedback on any of our programs and uh, maybe ideas or whatever that you may have, a, a subject you want us to, uh, to uh, cover in future uh, episodes of After Sight, uh, Blind Sight, the tech, tech program, or the monthly, uh, what we used to call... What, what do we call it now, the uh, the monthly program? Oh, that's uh, Navigating Life with Vision Loss. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. we're so if you have any feedback for any of those, for any of us, please use that uh, email, feedback at aincolorado.org. Did I get that right, Jonathan? That's perfect. That's Good. perfect. We know we to- we totally changed the name just for you so that we could make it a little bit easier. That's all. That's that was the whole thing of the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it because I was 
I was flubbing it constantly. Okay. Oh, I remember. <laughs> and now that we got it all situated, and the, here's the cool thing. So we just finished up um, getting the logo designed, so we'll be pushing that out fairly soon. Uh, we may just launch it with the name change, but we're designing an audio logo and um, some other things to go along with it, some minor rebranding, at least in terms of the color scheme. But, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be a really wonderful refresh and wake up for – just this audio company as a as a whole, so it'll be fun. Great, great. All right. Well, we I wanted to talk about depression, uh, particularly right now, because as we have the change in season, mm-hmm. you know, November fifth is when daylight saving time ends, and we turn the clock back. Yep. And uh, you know, it the days are shorter, and it's a lot. Uh, darker, and that's one of the t- time, and the holiday season too, mm-hmm. tend to generate depressive symptoms for a lot of people. Right. And it's important to understand, you know, what depression is and also what we can uh, do about it. Now, I have to make a uh, proviso as I, I'm talking. If you are experiencing depression to the point where you might hurt yourself or someone else, Mm -hmm. then that means that you need to get immediate assistance and you can call the crisis hotline at Mm -hmm. 988 and talk to someone there. It may, uh, I'll give you a warning, you may have to stay online for a little while, but stick with it and talk to somebody or go to your nearest emergency room Mm -hmm. uh, for uh, immediate help. Because when you're talking suicide or hurting somebody, that's major. And there's just no uh, uh, getting around it. And you deserve to have that help. But we're talking about uh, this time of year, what happens for a lot of people it's what we call seasonal affective disorder, which is a clinical disorder where the change in season, the longer, the longer uh, darkness, generates in some people mm-hmm. a depressive cycle that they have trouble getting out of. Yeah, and we talk about the the cycle we're talking about. Ah. Uh, not having any hope for the future, mm-hmm. uh, having trouble getting out of bed. And, well, most of us have trouble getting out of bed in the morning, but really a uh, major difficulty in getting up and doing anything, uh, feeling blue for long periods mm-hmm. of time. Those kinds of symptoms uh, can occur with the season, as well as anniversaries, as well as... Uh, uh, just in terms of reaction, for example, if you're, uh, let's say you're, you're newly blind or newly disabled, there may be a period of belief that, uh, you know, you can't do anything and the world is uh, it's just awful. And so those are times when we may get into a, a period of depression. Uh, some people will call it a funk. Uh, you know, just not being able to move forward with anything. And that, again, that's important to be paying attention to. 
in that particular time. And one of the things, even though it feels like you can't possibly do anything, one of the things that's often recommended for, for people is to get out and exercise and get your body moving. That can be extremely helpful, uh, whether it's just taking the dog for a walk or going to a gym or whatever. And, and believe me, when you are in this depression uh, period, it's real hard to say, oh, I can, I'm going to go to the gym, but it becomes 10 times more necessary for you to do it. Once you get yourself going, then your body reacts and says, okay, mm-hmm. things is not as helpless or as hopeless as I thought they were. Right. And really, that is the one of the major antidotes. I had a, a client who, uh, you know, was reporting major depression, and he got on a workout routine, and I don't recommend this, but uh, after a while, he stopped taking antidepressants. He didn't need them because he found that he's getting himself moving. Yeah. yeah. And that really, to me, is the core un- understanding we need about depression because depression is an emotion that lies to us. It's all or nothing. It says, uh, you know, it's either everything's wonderful, or if it's not wonderful, then it must be awful. And that's when we get into that all or nothing thinking. For example, we say, nobody loves me. Mm -hmm. And we get into this feeling like uh, we're just awful, nobody cares about us, and so forth. That's, those, that's, again, a depressive thinking. And oftentimes what therapists will encourage people to do is take a look at that all-or-nothing thinking and say, well, uh, and even write it, write it down and say, now, wait a minute, is this true? And so much of this uh, particular kind of thinking is irrational thoughts that we tell ourselves yeah. Mm-hmm. And by sitting down and looking at what we're saying and then saying, well, you know, uh, even if you just say, my dog loves me, uh, right. you know, at least you're saying, oh, what I'm telling this absolute statement that I'm making is untrue. And we begin to think of other people who really care about us. And then we begin to say, OK, I'm not uh, the way that I'm thinking. That's the depressive thought, that all or nothing. And if we can, uh, if we get into that bind of saying, you know, all or nothing, then that's a signal saying, look, I have to reframe that thought that I'm giving myself. And again, that can be helpful in breaking the depressive symptom. Now, if the depression goes on for several months, that's, you know, definitely see a professional. But I'm talking about when you get into this bind of those depressive all-or-nothing thinking, then there are some things you can try out and see if they, they work for you. Now, we also have to distinguish depression when it's a symptom related to grief and loss. It is a naturally occurring uh, for most people that we go through this period as we're trying to progress to 
of the process of acceptance of something mm -hmm. that happened, either a physical change or the loss of a person. Uh, depression may be one of the stages that we have to go through mm -hmm. in order to come to the acceptance stage. And we have to be gentle with ourselves at that time and say, okay, this is where I am. Uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross uh, uh, introduced the idea uh, in death and dying, that is, for someone who is uh, progressing toward death, or family members worry, uh, you know, in terms of dealing with the gr grief of loss of someone, uh, there's the denial, there's the bargaining, there's the anger, then may come depression, mm -hmm. to the acceptance, and uh, David Kessler, who is a uh, psych psychiatrist who's been looking at the Kubler-Ross thing, uh, he put a sixth stage, which is finding meaning, yeah, and uh, which is real important, but. The point is, uh, and those stages, it's not like you go from one to the right. other. It yeah. is a process of going going back and forth, uh, and you may, in fact, step you know, into another stage, and then you go back and whatever, but it's the ongoing process of coming to accept whatever the grief is. You know what it is that you're grieving and accepting that that per that change has occurred. Uh, I know at the time for me, uh, I'm aware of the calendar because sometimes those, that depression may come in for me, and I say, "Oh, it's this date. That is when I lost someone that was real important in my life," and. I've been surprised because I, I'm not aware of it. I feel this awful feeling, and I think, what's sure. going on? Yeah. And they say, oh, that's when X. And then, I, you know, by understanding that, I can then say, okay, yeah, it's a day, in a day mm -hmm. where I'm feeling, some, you know, having some mourning thoughts, if you mm -hmm. will. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's okay. I can move on and do what it is. Uh, it's when we're confused as to what's causing this. That you know, sort of uh, exempl uh, you know, uh, enlarges the feeling of depression. It's that helplessness that can come from having uh, depression. When we don't get something, that's another time where we get real angry. What what Sigmund Freud, way back when, said that depression is anger turned inward, and I think there's a certain validity. Right. You know, when we're angry about something or someone and we don't allow ourselves to express it, then, or don't even acknowledge it to ourselves, it can turn into the kind of de depressive mm -hmm. symptom. And, you know, we just have to accept it's okay for us to feel angry about it. It doesn't mean we do anything destructive. It just right. says, you know, I'm angry because of, and it, when once we put identify it, it makes it easier to to handle and also to know that it it will go, it will go mm -hmm. away. When it becomes particularly 
chronic and we're kind of caught in it, it is very much a helpless feeling. And what's interesting, one of the areas that uh, I think it's good to mention uh, that, you know, we have a gender difference in our reaction to having depression. Women are permitted to allow themselves to, you know, socially speaking, and this is a generalization, but society doesn't criticize women as much for crying or expressing or, you know, kind of expressing depressive symptoms. Yeah. Men don't have that privilege. And what I I know, there have been a number of therapists who have recognized that domestic violence, when we work with someone who has been, who is a, uh, an abuser, what we find underneath is depression. And because anger is much more acceptable in males than it is in women. Those of you who've worked who who in the working world know that uh, colleagues may, if they have someone who's a woman who's expressing anger in in inappropriate ways, you know they they do some name calling. Where for right. a man to do that, oh, that's just a matter of fact. There's a real right. distinct, and we have to pay attention to that because. Mm-hmm. It would be certainly a lot easier for all of us if men would have the right to cry and do the things that uh, they need to do to get that those uh, feeling of depression or sadness out of their system. But we just, you know, that would require a major uh, change in people's attitude towards, right. uh, towards the whole thing about depression. So... I want to jump on a couple of things because sure. I've got so many thoughts running through my head right now. When we, I'm going to go back to front. So when you talk about some of the male ego, especially when you, you talk about anger and that leading to depression, first, I think it's important that we distinguish that anger is a secondary emotion to something that you're feeling that's underneath. Ang- it just kind of comes out as angry. And we use that as a, I call it a crutch word where we just may be angry. Okay. Well, are you irritated about a situation? Did something, what is the real cause behind the anger? Right. Uh, there, and there are a couple of primary, you know, emotions that we just kind of lean on as just, Oh, I'm happy or I'm good or I'm fine or I'm angry or, you know, whatever. Right. right. Those are secondary. Here's the other thing. As a man, if you're listening to this and you're and you're of the male species, you kind of thrive in this stress-filled anger life, and that's all your body knows. Right. And when you sit in that moment and you that's all your body knows, when you tend to come down off of that anger high or that stress high, your body reacts very differently than a woman's body. You like for me, if I am in a highly stressful situation, like I remember when I was in high school and college and I was doing these big musicals and, um, or big football games and like all these big events that I would be like a better 
were like front and center for if I had to lead or something like that. I would get so stressed out because right. I knew that people were depending on me that right. very soon after the performance or the game, I would get really sick and it's like a stress sickness. Right. And, but you know, in, when you're in that moment of constant stress and anger, your brain as a man is firing on all cylinders because we were wired to compete. We were wired right. to fight. We were wired to, uh, protect and hunt and serve and our bodies are designed to carry that easier than uh, say a female will now on the converse of that when you have somebody who just disengages from life entirely and they live in that constant state of anger that's when it starts to get a little dicey right. and i wanted to mention a book that i've been reading it's called the four eight principle and if you want to Google it or, or look it up on uh, Amazon or Audible, it's four colon eight uh, um, principle. And there are a couple. Of, there's a whole ton of questions in this book. But what it, the whole premise of the book reengages and reformats how you see yourself first, and then how you see the world. And there's, I want to do an exercise if that's okay, Bill. Sure. Um, so I'm going to ask these five questions, and as soon as I ask these five questions, I'm going to give about 10 to 15 seconds of silence, and I want you as a listener uh, to just gently process these five questions, because these five questions are designed to be positive and re-engaging in who you actually are versus who you think people, who who what you think people think of you. And so we're going to do this real quick. So here's the first question. What are five things that I'm thankful for right now? What are five of my strengths or positive traits? What are five of my best achievements so far? Who are the five people who love me the most? What five things am I looking forward to doing either today, this weekend, or the next seven days? Now, if you were able to answer all five of those, I'm really proud of you. Secondly, if you weren't able to answer all five of those with all of them being filled out, that's completely okay. Because if you, it's a good barometer to say where you're at kind of on a generic speaking, you know, how am I doing today? Instead of asking, how am I doing today? You'll lie to yourself pretty easily. But if you can say, you know, what are five things that I'm thankful for right now? And you can just rattle them off. You're probably in a pretty good mental state. And this book has tons of these questions and it's a, 
it's a very powerful book. So I encourage mm-hmm. you to go check it out. But it just takes the power of this positive thinking and spinning it into a way where you're constantly thinking about the world in a positive state, especially right now, especially everything with you know, everything going on in Israel and Gaza and all that stuff, you know, we're in a saturated world of negativity and you've got to figure out a way to, you've got to figure out a way to change your mindset into this positive framework so that you can not only give yourself that joy so that you can live that joy filled life and then that you can give that joy and let it spill over to other people. You know, I want everybody in my life to feel joy and love and passion and kindness. And if I'm not doing that, then I'm not pouring into people. And but and that's a more of a personality thing. So I appreciate you for letting me do that little exercise. I'm glad you did. What I what I've traditionally done with a lot of my clients is at the end of the day, uh, there are two things uh, that in that list that I ask them to focus. You know, what have I done right today? Mm-hmm. And the and the other is what am I grateful for? Yeah. See, what we're talking about, uh, what Jonathan and I are talking about, is to change the mindset. When you're caught up in the depressive thinking, uh, it's the belief that you can't change the mindset. And these are some steps that mm-hmm. people can do to change their mindset. And right. once you change your mindset, uh, you can, in fact, move forward. Uh, if you, you know, if the mindset, uh, if you have trouble changing it, then that's the symptom again that okay, maybe I need to have a professional help me in changing the mindset, which may, of course, uh, it may be. Uh, a biochemical thing going on for you, sure. Uh, in which some medication may be necessary, but not necessarily. It's yeah. the helping you to reframe mm-hmm. uh, your thinking in a way that moves you forward. You know, well, it's, it's, yeah, it's Jonathan? it's essentially outward experiences affecting inward progress. And, you know, to break that down, when you have these, you know, I'm just going to use the example of somebody cutting you off, you, your anger goes up and that's a, that's an inward progressive state, yeah. right? And so when you have all these outside influences, these well, things that are happening that are out of your control that can lead to depressive states, it causes you to have this negative thinking. Why are they doing this to me? Right. Why is this happening to me? Why What's am it? I doing this? The, and The question here, excuse me for jumping in here, because no, the question good. here, who has the power? If oh, you, right, absolutely. If you keep focusing on what other people are thinking, what even what people think of you, that you're yeah. giving them power that they don't deserve. You're allowing them to live rent-free in your head. It's it's so important to understand you have the power to change your thinking. You, in fact, can say, look, their opinion is not important. We mm-hmm. give so much importance about our value to mm-hmm. other people that, and and then when they think of us n- negatively, let's face it, not everybody's going to like you. 
Right. Not everybody's going to love you. Right. People have their own, uh, to use the Yiddish word, Michigans, and yes. they start taking it out on other people, and you need don't need to buy into that. Yeah. And that, I know I had a boss that, uh, you know, he, he didn't praise. He would just do not, anytime he saw you, he would say something negative. And unfortunately, there was a period of time where child care experts were saying, if you uh, praise your children for something they do, they'll stop doing it or they'll, they won't get better. So you, you point out the things they do wrong and they'll keep changing, which is a horrible way to, to raise kids. Yeah. But that was the, one of the, uh, the thinking that uh, was uh, vogue for a period of time, and some of us grew up in that kind of environment. Mm -hmm. And so we're not used to saying to ourselves, oh, I know what my qualities are. I know, and, and to, uh, it's going to sound trite to call it, give yourself a pep talk. Yeah. But that's exactly what you have, particularly if you're in a hostile, uh, let's say a hostile work environment, Mm -hmm. Give yourself a pep talk and say, no, that person is incorrect. Yeah. Well, that's part of the reason why I started. And I think I, I don't remember if I shared this last week or not, but because of this book, I started changing the, the dialogue that I have with my kids when we come home from school. And so we do what's called three, two, ones. Okay. And this is just something that I, that I developed or did with my kids. I said, okay, as soon as we get in the car, you know, Guys, what's three things that you're proud of that you did today? And it has to be non-academic. So while I helped somebody on the playground, I ate all my lunch and I did my work really fast. Great. Super proud of you. What are two things that you were excited that you learned about? You know, what, what excited you today about your learning experience? Not what did you learn, but what got you excited to learn? And then the last one is what are you looking forward to tomorrow about school? Mm -hmm. friends, academic, whatever. And so it creates this positive mindset that they're excited to go to school. They're excited to learn something different and they are thriving in school right now. Yeah. And so find those interesting ways instead of asking your kids, you know, well, what, what'd you do in school today? Oh, I didn't do much. You, right. know, you went to school for eight hours and you didn't do anything. Yeah. Come exactly. on. Exactly. And that's a, that's you a know? form of criticism. Right. And that isn't what you want to uh, get across. Now it's important to have a dialogue, you know, there's something really bothering the children, mm -hmm. you know, that they be able to talk about it and then right. include in it, you know, precisely what you what you're saying to help them see the difference between their negative thinking that they can yep. change it, and one of the ways they change it is by looking realistically at themselves yeah. and saying, Look, this is what I'm able to do. This is the, the the good stuff that I'm doing, because so much of what we get into is this dichotomy, mm -hmm. as I'm saying, the all or nothing thinking, mm -hmm. where we focus on what's going wrong, or punishing ourselves because something went wrong, and forgetting, you know, the to balance it out with a more equal picture, and that's yeah. what we okay we. Uh, those of us that have a disability, yeah, I can't do X, but I can still do Y. Yeah. And to, you know, back and forth, to we're being honest about the situation that we're in or what we may be doing, or we did something 
that as we look back on it, we wish she hadn't done it. You know, turned out to be a disaster. Mm-hmm. But you you can even say in a disaster. At least I tried to see if this works. Now I know that that doesn't work. Yep. So what are my other options? It mm-hmm. isn't a dead end if something fails. It's just a learning experience. And a learning experience, uh, Steve Jobs, who invented the Macintosh, who uh, changed the world, basically, there were a lot of lot of failures that he had, what we would call failures, until oh, yeah. he found what works. And it's right. the failures, rather than being the end, or you know, if we keep it from being the end, mm-hmm. but say, okay, what did I learn from this mistake? Then you yep. again move into this positive framework that we're talking about to get yourself out of the depression. Now, I can guarantee you there'll be times when you'll feel down. I mean, that's just part of life. Absolutely. The question is the control and the the helplessness, the powerlessness, what uh, uh, is referred to as learned helplessness, is can be unlearned. And yes. we say, okay, this is the situation I'm in right now. Okay, mm-hmm. what do I need to do differently? How can I help and help myself in this situation? Mm-hmm. And it's that's the learning. That's the yeah. experience that we all have to in growing up. We learn through our mistakes as well as our successes. And we can value both and say, okay, from this mistake. I learned that. Or, you know, here's how I have to do things differently, but tomorrow there's a good chance that it will turn out differently because yeah. I'm doing this X, Y, Z. And that's how we get out of this uh, block that depression can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or we just say, look, I'm exhausted. I'm, I've been working like crazy. No wonder I feel down. So <laughs> right. maybe today, maybe today, I will cancel that meeting and just say, you know, I've got to take care of myself. And this is yep. the other piece of it. You know, we forget that we have to take care of ourselves. We have a right to take care of ourselves. And if we, if we say, I've got, I, I have to take time off to kind of recoup. Yeah. Then that's what we have to do, and that's. Perfectly valid, and you mm-hmm. know, sometimes, you know, like I say, when I have, when I'm uh, caught up in an anniversary reaction, you know, in other words, uh, a day that I lost someone real important in my life, I have to say, okay, I've got to do a little grieving today. There's a little grief work I have to do. Maybe I can think about the person or, or whatever, mm-hmm. and just allow myself to mourn, and then move on and give myself permission to mourn. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. But again, it's paying attention to what you're feeling, but not getting into this all or nothing thinking, but say, what's going on? How can I help myself right now? As you say, do you you know, the stress getting to me, I've got to figure out a way to reduce the stress. Mm -hmm. And that's where exercise can be part of it. And, once we feel that we can, when we have the depressive symptoms and we feel we know what we can do to help ourselves, then the depressed, depression lifts 
And, you know, we feel, oh, I can handle that, whatever, whatever it is. Well, as as we kind of wrap this up, I, I want to give one more piece of of gentle advice. If you are struggling to have some of those conversations where you think you may be in a quote unquote funk, or you may be kind of on the verge of depression, and you're not quite ready to reach out to a therapist yet, I would encourage you to seek somebody who you trust implicitly. It's got to be somebody that you can go to with absolutely everything and say, hey, look, I'm struggling with something and I just need an ear just to sit and and listen and help me process this. You can totally say, I don't need you to solve it. I don't need to come up with a solution. I just need to get this off my chest because it's it's weighing me down. Just doing that can can release you and open a floodgate of healing that can happen. Right. And then when you're ready, eventually reach out to a therapist, reach out to right. a counselor, reach see, out to a pastor or something. But I, you know, I think there are two things that I want to emphasize in what you're saying. One is the person doesn't necessarily, you can say to the person, you don't even need to respond. Right. I, you, I need someone who listens to me. Maybe you give me, paraphrase what I'm saying if you're not right. understanding what I'm saying, but yes. let's just at that, you don't need to do any work, just be my ear mm-hmm. and allow me to get it out of my system. And then we go from there. And frankly, particularly in terms of an anger reaction, I have not been uh, above telling people to take a pillow. Mm-hmm and pound it on a sofa yep, and express the anger that you feel. Because once you get that anger feeling out of you, that makes a big difference. Writing, if you're angry at someone, yes. rather mm-hmm. than internalizing it, write a letter to that person and say everything in it. Don't even worry about spelling. Don't worry yes. about... Yep. The language is used. Get it out of your system. Write yes. it down. And then I, destroy the letter. I, I love that because so on, uh, let's see, on the 17th, so a couple days ago, um, I forgot that I had written myself an email last year. And I emailed it. I had, you know, programmed it to send one year later to the day. And it was an encouraging letter to my future self where it was, look how far you've come. Look what you've accomplished. Look at all the things that you have done. And like life may be a little bit different now, but you're so much better than where you were even a year ago. And doing those kinds of things, if you have the ability to, even when you're in a very depressed state, encouraging your future self and emailing that to yourself a year later, when I got that email, I was like, holy crap, I I have grown so much in my personal journey, my personal walk. And then here's another tip that I used to do or that I still do sometimes 
If you don't have a person to talk to immediately, take your phone and take a voice recorder if you've got one and record yourself talking what you're feeling in your head. Sometimes right. I don't have the ability to write as fast as my brain wants right, to talk. Right. And so I speak it and then I play it back and I'm like, okay, wait, does this make any sense? Am I actually feeling what I think I'm feeling? Right. <laughs> and then it's a it's an immediate word for word dictation of what is inside you. And then you can parse out. It's like you're listening to a friend tell you that and you can kind of build that mental bridge between right. your conscious right. self and your self your unconscious self i guess yeah. subconscious it, self well well you see it, it's uh taking out the editing that we tend to do the mental ed- editing that right. prevents us from saying yes. uh what i what i've given an assignment i've given client is to write a love letter to themselves Yep. Particularly people who really are very hate themselves to write a love letter as if it were coming from another person. It's it's somehow yeah. when you kind of uh in a sense a positive dissociation where you're writing it as if you're writing to somebody you care about, which you mm-hmm. which you are, mm-hmm. and just write it in that way, then some stuff comes out and then people Sometimes the people, that's all they need is just to yeah. say, finally, I'm saying to myself what I need to say. And that's yep. the shift that we can uh, have uh, in our thinking and, in our, our, and it translates into our actions as well. Yeah. Well, Bill, take us to the promised land, sir. Okay. Uh, certainly. Glad to have this conversation. Thank you for your contribution, Jonathan, and uh, particularly the book that you talked about. Uh, this is Blindsight, your host, Bill Lundgren, with the producer, Jonathan Price. We look forward to remember any feedback in this program. It's AIN Colorado dot org. And the feedback, uh, feedback, uh, what the A, the A in the middle. And that way you can make any comments about this program or something else that you want to, uh, uh, to let us know about. Okay? Uh, have a good week. <laughs>